Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. That's right. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you're up this week, my friend. Mm -hmm. What have Mm -hmm. you brought to the table for us today? Yeah, um, I'm bringing a book called Elite Capture. Uh, with a subtitle, How the Powerful Took Over Identity Politics and Everything Else, uh, by Olufemi Taiwo. Uh, it was published by Haymarket Books uh, in May 2022, so it's just a couple months old, yeah, relatively new. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I found it really powerful. Mm. Uh, I think the book really gets to the core of how um, many different kinds of social movement or, or analyses um, become weakened by the elites. Yes. Um, and elite meaning different things in different contexts, yes. right? Which I thought was a really great uh, concept that, that he included. Um, but he walks us through defining elite capture, uh, giving some examples of how it's worked, um, you know, get, uh, talking about social structure and the ways that we participate in social structure. And so, right. Right. you know, that, that whole chapter is about like, well, we believe that we have lots of choices but by the time it gets to us, mm-hmm. the choices you know we have are, are limited. Yes, um, he he makes a he draws a an analogy to a, a board game. I yes. think. Do well, you remember yes. what that was? Yes. Oh, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't remember know. the board game, but it's a oh, game. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like, well, the choices you have once you, it gets to your turn to roll the dice, not not all the same. That's right. Um, so uh, he talks about critical consciousness from Paulo Freire, which I'll talk about uh, here in a little bit too. Um, and t- also talks about how maybe we can move past elite capture with uh, something he calls a constructivist approach. Ah, uh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's doing work to create spaces where we can um, meet the needs that we have yep. um, while finding ways that our needs are inter- interconnected with uh, other people. Um, you know, it's solidarity, it's mutual interest, it's uh, those kinds of things. Um, so there, there's a lot in here. I th- thought it was really, um, like I said, powerful and yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, what do you what do you want to start with? Yeah, I'm with you. I really like this book. I feel like I learned a lot from it, um, and, and particularly in terms of this concept, um, this really sort of wide ranging concept, as you just sort of alluded to, of of elite capture, um, yeah. and and the role it's played in society, sort of both here in this country, but also abroad, like through the world, throughout the world. And I that that's one of the things I really loved about the book too is that um, he did a great job sort of talking about. Um, both our context here in America, but also gave a lot of examples um, of how this is playing out throughout the world. Um, so that was that yeah, was, it was international, awesome. it was a lot, international, in a lot of ways, yeah. right? In so many ways, right? And so um, I think that on one that made the book really great for me. Another thing that um, was great, to, in my opinion, was that he you know he provided all of this history and, and context and mm-hmm. uh, so many examples and and some like metaphors like he referred to the game right like metaphors yeah. and and histories to really showcase what elite capture is and and how it's existed throughout time and as I said throughout the world and so um, I think it as you take the book um, as you work your way through the book and certainly when you're done I think you get a really great 
understanding of the concept yeah. um, when you take it all in. Um, you know, as an example of that, uh, early in the book, I appreciated how he shared a bit about how the concept of elite capture originated, right. um, which was really in the context of how social elites and, and those in power would gain control over financial benefits like foreign aid mm-hmm. in, in developing mm-hmm. countries, mm-hmm. which is just sort of mind blowing to think about. Um, and then, of course, as I mentioned, like he provides examples of that throughout history and, and, right. and in places. And um, one of the other things he does is he also shared the notion of how elite capture accounts for the objections to and really the bastardization of quote-unquote identity politics right right um and so it it was really fascinating to me to see um to think about all we've seen right and to take Mm -hmm. in all the examples of that throughout the book um again to really name and understand the the concept of of elite capture and and what it's done in our society and in our social systems so yeah i Mm -hmm. i'm with you it was a it was a fascinating book a really great book and um i uh, as i said I, i learned a lot from it yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a, a great place to sort of start um, the conversation is trying to define elite capture. Uh, yes, please. I mean, this is a 120 page book that I think is is a definition of elite capture. <laughs> it really so is. It, it's hard yeah. to boil down. But one of the things that I'll I'll pull from the book as a quote is when the advantaged few steer resources and institutions that could serve the many toward their own narrower interests and aims. So that's that was one part. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then another one was from later in that opening chapter that says, when elites run the show, the interests of the group get whittled down to what they have in common with those at the top. And that's at best. At worst, elites fight for their own narrow interests using the banner of group solidarity. Um, and so I, I really like those two pieces as a way to try to in illustrate tandem, yes. um, what elite capture is. Um, but I think we also see this in all kinds of things oh, yeah. that are happening right now. Um, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind right in, in this moment is the environmental issues that have been quote unquote debated, right. And, and climate change. Yeah. Um, and I say quote unquote debated in Congress cause uh, <laughs> to call it a debate is a misnomer. Yes. Um, but we have, you know, a very few people who can shoot down progress or reg- regulations or, uh, whatever, because they don't like it because it doesn't match their interests. Yeah. So like Joe Manchin can block stuff because of the way that the Senate's currently set up and because he has interests in coal mines in West Virginia. So is. he can then manipulate the process of what is even the discussion in Congress. Um, so everything gets watered down uh, so that he can still make his money in Absolutely. West Virginia. Uh, and so, that you know, that's just kind of one, I think, example. And there's a lot of other ones I think we could talk about, you know, reproductive justice. There's so many in things. In my mind, as you thought about like, that, as you said yeah. that, I thought about reproductive justice and abortion rights. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things. There's so many things, right? So, yeah, I agree. I love that. I love those two parts of a definition together. I think they really illustrate what elite capture is. And, and I also appreciate your example of Joe Manchin. I really hate that I said that. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate and Joe Manchin in the same sentence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Something you didn't think you'd say to get today. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but I think there's lots of examples, particularly when I think about um, our elected officials and the debates mm, that they mm-hmm. have. Around, and, you know, we could, we could um, sit here and talk about them for hours yeah. um but yeah there 
I also think you're right. There's this whole book is an illustration of what elite capture is, right? And, yeah. and the ways in which it plays out again, both here uh, in this country, but also uh, abroad. I think sort of related to that, one of the things that stood out to me and I really appreciated in this book was the work he did to name and provide examples of some of the common strategies mm. that the elite used to respond to organizing and, and calls for social justice and and really calls for uh, true abolitionist changes in our society, right? Yeah, and yeah. so there were two things that I wanted to pull out. One was um, the use of performative and symbolic actions and changes. Yeah, I really like this one. Yeah, and the second is the tactic of rebranding existing institutions or systems. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's so true, right? So one of the examples that he used uh, to sort of display performative politics was he mentioned what Muriel, Mayor Muriel Bowser did just down the road here in D.C. to have Black Lives Matter painted on the street uh, sort of leading up to the, the White House. Um, but um, we continued to see in the, in the weeks and months after that, D.C. police terrorized black people who would demonstrate on that street, on and near mm -hmm. that street, right? Yep. And so the painting of Black Lives Matter on that street was nothing but performative, given that the saying was created in response to police brutality, right? right. Uh, and the elite, like D.C.'s mayor in this instance, in this example, right, continued to stand idly by when that violence continued, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we don't have any sort of real um, accountability and change right. to this system that is doing harm to people. No, well, the change is she wants to hire more cops, too. Uh, like that, yes. like to bring in a very uh, recent very, very example recent. as she's running for mayor again, um, her platform calls for increased funding uh, for D.C. police. So, you know, it's mm. another element of performative Absolutely. Yeah. When they're when the when the sort of um, the actual action that she wants to do. Right. <laughs> right. Is harmful. Um, absolutely. Right. And and I think we have countless examples of the of the mm -hmm. other strategy. Right. The rebranding existing institutions or systems to to make them seem like they're true public safety measures or or just um, safer alternatives. Right. So and we've talked about so many of those things here. Things like the notion of community policing or civilian review boards or electronic monitoring as an alternative to, to prison. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, so I, I just appreciated the naming of these, um, at, at this point, really common strategies, commonplace strategies that we see all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and the ways in which the elite uh, respond to the great work folks are trying to do to, to get us to the place that we need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of that, all of those, I really appreciated all those examples that, that, that he painted and, and yeah, so thanks for bringing those here. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about critical consciousness, Ooh, um, yes. which is maybe cheating, um, <laughs> because we should probably mean? read, uh, Paulo Freire ah, to, yes. to really talk about it. Yeah. But you know, he mentions it here, um, and uses Freire as an example, um, in one, in one of the chapters, um, but so this is a form of education um, that was coined by or is attributed to Paulo Freire. Um, that is, uh, so it, the aim of it is to, quote, pursue the kind of mutually liberatory political project that would eliminate the distinction between elites and non-elites entirely. Yes. And that's uh, the author Olu uh, Femi Taiwo's um, sort of his idea of it, yes. right? Because he's talking about elite capture and... Yes. The, the distinction between elites and non-elites. But I think, you know, in my own understanding, this is a kind of education that uses 
the personal experiences of people to understand the broader system. Yes. Right. And so we use, we develop this kind of consciousness uh, by critically analyzing our experiences and how they are similar or different depending on who we are. And yes. so there's different spaces in which we might be elite. There's different spaces in which we might not be elite. There's different spaces in which we might be in between somewhere. Yes. Um, and so it gives us all that context of how we fit into the systems. Um, so how are we, you know, are there ways that we are being sort of funneled into supporting elite capture um, or the elite's interests that are not our own interests, right? And I think about this yeah. kind of consciousness being super important in our current political climate because I think so many people are unknowingly supporting elites. Yes, right. Absolutely. I, I mean, you've seen the meme online that's floated around for a while now uh, about the guy who makes thirty five thousand per year being outraged in discussions about taxing the ultra wealthy, and you know, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a. Uh, specific and hilarious point because it feels so true yes um because we've all seen that uh but so why is it so ingrained in us culturally here like that yeah. particular concept to defend ultra wealthy people from being taxed yeah right? it's it's this some there's some kind of like way that we're being where we've been aligned with those their interests right and so i think it's connected to this concept of elite capture and it could be addressed through some critical consciousness, yes, um, some some, some broad, um, you yeah. know, political education work. So um, I really appreciated him bringing that in here as a way, sort of an antidote to yes, what um, sort of elite capture has done to us in a variety of ways. Yeah, well, and I so I, yes, I very much so appreciate you bringing this up, and I think you're right. Maybe it's a little bit of cheating. We should read. <laughs> we should read Powell's work, yep. but um, yeah, this idea that. Yeah, the one thing you said that really stuck out to me was this idea of it being ingrained in us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. And I and I, the only thing I can think about, the only thing I can think of when I think about this is, um, I think it's part of the American dream, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. what this is, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of this idea that if you work hard, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. uh, right? We've heard these things before, right? I too can be, you too can be right. ultra wealthy or at least wealthy, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then you don't want to get taxed. And you don't want to get taxed <laughs> right. at that point, right? Yeah. Uh, that's wild. That, that just triggered something in me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I absolutely love this concept. And I think that was a great word that you used there. It's an antidote to mm. um, elite capture and right, trying to sort of fight against that, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love the section on that. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, I think there's, there were so many ways that this book showcased the role of elite capture on, on certain facets of society that I think were really illuminating. Yeah. Um, so one of those was capitalism, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there were quite a few examples throughout the book of the ways in which elite capture impacts capitalism and, and vice versa um, and, and really all different facets of capitalism, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, one of those was from chapter two, uh, and he talked about the concept of elite capture and its impact on housing. 
right? And I just kind of thought this was fascinating. He said this, and I'm going to quote, under capitalism, an environment in which housing is commodified, whether someone has an actionable choice to be housed or not, depends greatly on the rules and rule-like actions of a small group of elites, individual landlords, corporate landlords, the police, and the data agencies that traffic information between these groups. Elites have captured the means of maintaining shelter, so they set the rules by which the rest of us succeed or fail to win shelter. Yep. Right? And I don't know what it was. It kind of like stopped me in my tracks when I when I read that. Like, I was like, yes, this, right? Like, it's such a great example of this idea that powerful people and institutions and systems have so much control over us as individuals and our lives and our ability to live our lives in the ways in which we deserve. And and, mm. and you said this before, and it always has stuck with me, it, with dignity, right? Yeah. Um, and so it really, I don't know, it really makes you think, right? It, mm -hmm. made, it made me, this was early on in the book, so it made me want to just keep reading the book to figure out more and to learn more and to figure out what we need to do um, and what strategies are going to be helpful and important to address this in, in our, in our continued work. But I just thought that was, that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a great example about housing. Um, you know, I think especially about housing in the context of like the COVID-19 pandemic and how much rents have gone up yes. recently yes. Um, as landlords try to quote unquote, make back whatever they lost. Yep. Um, during during the pandemic and uh yeah so that's uh, a great example i think he also talks about how you know laws in our so-called democracy are increasingly made made by the powerful yes and he uses the american legislative exchange council uh, as an example um, and they offer template legislation to conservative legislators across the country uh, and these bills have quote criminalized protest against oil and gas infrastructure under the guise of national security. Mm. Uh, and so there are the, all of these ways that elite capture is happening. And so Alec is a nonprofit, maybe mm. think tank yeah. um, that has become very influential yes. in how laws get passed and which laws get passed and all this stuff. So some of this stuff around critical race theory that we've talked about before, yeah. some of that is connected to Alec, I think, um, or, might be heritage. Um, I oh, don't know. Like, the, and I, though they, yeah. they, they work together on some things too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really love that example. And but it's a great, housing too. Yeah. But it's a great illustration of elite capture, right? Like yeah. that, that is an actual, a, a really great example of that, right? Like mm -hmm. this idea that you've got, you know, um, our elected officials, you know, as, as one piece of the elite, but then you also have these think tanks and these nonprofits right. that are also sort of tremendously powerful and influential. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and uh, um, ridiculously wealthy, right? Yeah. Um, and you can, you, we we have ways to track the ways in which money has influenced. We talked about the NRA a few mm -hmm. weeks back, right? And yeah, we talked about another the, great example. The, the 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 power hold that they have over some of our elected officials because of mm -hmm. that money, right? And the ways in which yeah. that influences the ways in which they vote and the legislation they pursue or don't pursue. Um, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things that he did, uh, he talked about early on, is this idea that some of the systems we have are supposed to be self-correcting, oh, or we yeah. have this myth that they're self-correcting. So he talks about, um, you know, democracy, the people elect other people who then become elite to to make rules and, yes. and to govern. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if they do stuff that we don't like, theoretically, we're it? supposed to be able to correct that. Yes. Um, 
and we've talked about that on the podcast before, how that is not necessarily always the case. We're not always, we don't always have the access to be able to do that um, in the system. And I think about that with capitalism too, where mm-hmm. that like capitalism is this quote unquote free market that is supposed to be self-correcting. But when you're, you know, these systems are kind of like games. Yes. Which he talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this isn't an original um, metaphor I'm going with, but uh, if you are playing a game of Monopoly and you're sitting on three quarters of the property, you know, the, the game is going to end soon. Absolutely. Because everybody else is going to go out of business. Yeah. And you um, are going to continue to get more and more wealthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're, we're playing games where people have their thumbs on the scales, essentially, yes. um, which is what, what his point was in that, um, that section of the book. All right. Well, let's let's shift and talk about application. All right. Um, how do we think this applies to our daily lives? Um, and I just talked about us in capitalism, and, and we talked about housing. We yeah. talked about the legislative process. Um, yeah, I think this book provides us with important analysis. Um, yes. I think it gives. So, speaking for myself, I think it gives me words to describe things that I already knew were happening. Um, you know, and I think elite capture as a concept provides sort of a a container um, through which I can try to understand better what's happening. Yes. Um, it gives us more words to talk about that. Um, and, you know, as I said before, we can see it happening through so many aspects of our so-called democracy. Yes. Um, there's so many things that have broad support from the people um, that get corrupted along the way. So whether that's political or economic, um, you know, it could be about guns or wages or parental leave or healthcare or reproductive rights. Yeah. All of it gets watered down or corrupted or um, reduced to nothing or, or maybe it's just almost nothing. But, yeah. you know, reduced to so little that the things that were supported beforehand are, don't matter anymore. Like right. it's not the same thing that was supported broadly by people. It's something else. Not at all. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's I think there's just so much of this book that. It's just is application. It's the application, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned this earlier. I was particularly drawn to the work he did in the book to talk about the the constructive approach to politics. Yeah. So I did want to mention that. I I, I believe that this is one of the biggest takeaways um, and biggest pieces of application from the book. Um, so much of that work and this constructive approach stood out to me as being so critically important and and related to many of the conversations we have here about mm-hmm. things like abolition, right? And to this idea of how to address the impact of elite capture um, and, and to the work that needs to happen to help us get to the world in which we want to see, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, I think this is, this is the big takeaway for me is that the constructive approach asks us to do both the introspective work necessary to be able to show up in the ways that are important, right? And you alluded to that earlier, but it also asks us to do the collaborative and the collective work that needs to happen to to plan and 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 build the rooms and spaces and society that we want and need to make sure that we're all free, yep. right? Um, yeah. And as I said earlier, to, to live with that dignity, right? So uh, I'm excited to, I love your piece about language and I, and I particularly love this constructive approach, right? I think mm-hmm. it gives sort of a way to, to move us forward, right? In our thinking about what we do, right? In our actions. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I very much so appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that ties right into my homework. Oh. So I'm just going to move us right along. Okay. Um, 
so how you know how are we going to continue to learn about this? Yeah, um, my homework I think is uh, basically going to turn into a series of questions, which is um, you know on brand for me. <laughs> um, but uh, so I have a. a relatively long quote from the last chapter that I want to pull okay. um, out that the name of the chapter is the point is to change it, um, which is a reference to uh, Karl Marx yes. um, work. Uh, so he says the constructivist approach is extremely demanding. It asks us to be planners and designers to be accountable and responsive to people who aren't yet in the room. In addition to being architects, it asks us to become builders and construction workers, to actually build the kind of rooms we could sit in together rather than idly speculate about which rooms would be nice. But it's important to acknowledge in closing this book that the constructive approach has implicit moral and emotional demands as well. We can neither plan nor build a better world without collectively cultivating diverse kinds of moral and emotional discipline. Mm. So I think you know, Olufemi Taiwo lays out a whole ecosystem here um, where there's room for all of us. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we're all already in some rooms. Yes. Um, many of us have spaces in, in which we are already planners and designers. Um, you know, some of us are, are builders in those rooms using this metaphor. This metaphor, yes. Stretching the way out. Yes. Um, but let's sort of try to take stock of those spaces um, the roles that we take on, uh, the roles we're already playing. How do we sharpen those skills? How do we build new spaces with our allies or co-conspirators um, or the coalitions that we have mm. um, to create the world that we all know that we need? Um, you know, what's the work we're doing here to understand how what we need is tied up in the needs of other people? Because oh. we, we you know, it's collective liberation. Yes. That's what we talk about. Yes. Um, so my liberation is bound up in the liberation of other people. Yes. And so we have to reflect on that. We have to figure out how we work together to get there and the rooms we need to build together to get there. Say that last sentence again. That we last have, question. We, what are the rooms we need to build to get there together? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Yeah. And this idea of, of collective liberation. Absolutely. It's there. Um, I, so I love that. I, I think there's so much in the way of potential homework from this book for me. Um, you know, I said this earlier, he shared a lot of history and context to showcase what elite capture is and how it's existed throughout history and throughout our world. Um, one of the, I think one of the amazing things about a book like this is all of the links to and mentions of other great work that's out there. Um, yeah. I read this on a Kindle, right? And so there's lots of it's literal, literal links and the appendix is hella long. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> um, I, and I know you have the actual book. I only had the, the, the Kindle. It's hella long. And so um, part it's of almost my, half of the, the printed. It's almost half of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. All of that is just reference to uh, things that are referenced throughout the book. So much, much, some of that, most of that. Um, and so it's like, a, it's like a third. It's I'm like sorry. a third. Yeah. Okay. The references. I love it. So part of what I want to do is just to sort of 
look through that and pick out some of the interesting and intriguing pieces that got mentioned in the book and see what further reading and um, I want to do and media I want to consume. I can tell you that two books that I definitely want to read were on this list and got mentioned in this book. Um, And I'm a little ashamed, actually, that I haven't read either of these. The one is Ruth Wilson Gilmore's book, Golden Gulag, Mm -hmm. Prisons, Surplus, Crisis, and Opposition in Globalizing California. Um, And the second is Carter G. Woodson's book uh, that he references, I think, in Chapter 2. I could be wrong about that. uh, Called The Miseducation of the Negro. Um, and I think the way, I mean, I, I know both of these books, and but the ways in which he applies them to this concept of elite capture and uh, the way he talks about um, and takes concepts from these books um, really excited me and was fascinating to me. And so um, I need to pick these books up and I need to actually sit and read them. So that's homework for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I have been wanting to read that Ruth Wilson Gilmore book as well. All right. Also, I believe she just came out with another book recently really yeah called abolition geography so that's another thing well to add to the list list. very Uh, good all right cool yeah all right well great stuff yes Uh, damien you're up next time what are you bringing to the table in our next episode i am all right so next week we are actually both going to be bringing a documentary series to the table Mm -hmm. who's all on board with that yep all right good good. uh it'd be funny if you're like no uh i'm like well i don't know what we're gonna do uh so i think the plan is that we're gonna split it up and talk about it over two episodes which is exciting uh the documentary series is called exterminate all the brutes and it's out right now on hbo max folks want to check it out with us it came out last year in the early part of 2021 and it's a four-part series so i think we'll talk about the first half of it next week on the podcast and then the second half of it in the following episode Um, so here's a bit of the description of the series from the film's website quote exterminate all the brutes from acclaimed filmmaker raul peck who directed the documentary film i am not your negro and the film sometimes in April, is a four-part hybrid docu-series that provides a visually arresting journey through time into the darkest hours of humanity. Through his personal voyage, Peck deconstructs the making and masking of history, digging deep into the exploitative and genocidal aspects of European colonialism from from America to Africa and its impact on society today. Based on the works of three authors and scholars, and forgive me, I might butcher some of these names, Sven Sven Lindquist's Exterminate All the Brutes, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz's An Indigenous People's History of the United States, and Michael Rolf Trulliat's Silencing the Past, Exterminate All the Brutes revisits and reframes the profound meaning of the Native American genocide and American slavery and their fundamental impacts for our present. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a lot. Um, and I haven't watched any of the film yet, but I did watch the trailer. Um, and I think from the trailer and from that description, I think this film is really going to give us a great opportunity to talk about and really analyze the history of uh colonization and uh, both the history and the rise of white supremacy Mm -hmm. and its impact on our history and our society. So uh, I'm super excited to, to watch it and and talk about it with you next, next few times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've been, um, we've had this on the list for a while. We have. So, um, and I've read, I haven't read all of those books, but I've read an indigenous people's history of the United States. Okay. That'll, that'll, uh, that'll shake you up. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be um, heavy. I think so. I think it's going to be heavy. A great, I think a, a really good discussion um, for us to think about and reflect on all this. So 
um, yeah, looking forward to that. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do here. But in case you forgot, uh, please follow, leave a rating and review, share a podcast with the people in your life, uh, follow us on social media, check us out on YouTube. We have a TikTok account. We do. We posted a, a, a video on there um, recently, just a quick little thing. So follow us there too. We're, we're going to try to do a little bit more there uh, and sign up for our email list to get notified about any other new things we got going on behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>